Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. Dodo Birds and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Kansas has finally received its punishment for its IARP case stemming from a 2017 federal investigation into corruption in the sport of college basketball. Basically, the biggest allegations were tied, if you don't remember, to Adidas funneling money to people connected to prospects, most notably Billy Preston and Silvio D'Souza. KU faced, at least initially, five level one violations, including a lack of institutional control charge and a head coach responsibility charge for Bill Self. The punishment... Punishment, three years probation, no postseason ban, no additional penalties for Bill Self or assistant Curtis Townsend, no show cause penalties for anybody, but that 2018 Final Four banner will have to come down dead leg. I don't think either one of us is surprised that it ended up going down this way, but still your thoughts on what we learned today about Kansas and its IARP case. Uh, the vacation of a Final Four banner, I think, is, is you know that's not nothing. I wasn't necessarily anticipating that. That's tied to impermissible payments to Silvio uh, D'Souza, who went through multiple previous lengthy litigations from the NCAA's end about his eligibility, was ultimately deemed eligible, and now um, there's this weird split reaction. I'm, I'm feeling from Kansas fans where, you know, they're thrilled that it happened like this and there's no major punishments and stick it to you NCAA, but also what the hell, why are you taking away our banner? Um, the NCAA ruled him. The IARP ruled this case, not the NCAA. It was the last case. Thankfully, good God. Can this thing, can this group get it together as a side note, as a member of the media, the delay on getting this stuff out and missing deadlines. Good gracious. I guess it was no more appropriate than they were, Late, late, late on a case that took way too long to resolve. But this is the last one of all the IARP cases. Now it will dissolve, uh, thankfully, and go away forever, which also means the NCAA will now continue to litigate all of its cases moving forward, albeit with an updated model. Not surprised by this from Kansas's end. I know they were not expecting any kind of postseason ban. Um, I, I tweeted this out. It is notable that Bill Self and the program are facing five level one allegations. This is from the notice of allegations from the NCAA's level. Then they opted to go the IARP route. And in doing so, Self manages to get out unscathed. Yes, he did get taken off the road in 2022. Yes, he did get a four game suspension uh, to start last season, along with his assistant, Curtis Townsend, who also faced similar 
punishments, but it's one level three violation and he loses uh, what 15 games off his official total technically loses a final four in an official capacity on his resume. We were there. We saw what happened. In fact, not only did we see what happened, that's the one where Villanova absolutely roast. If there's ever a final four that you're okay with losing, I guess it would be that one. Villanova destroyed Kansas in that one. 95 79 and it was not remotely that close nevertheless it is a final four and it's gone away i've seen a lot of uh commentary about what the irp didn't do and how much of a waste of time and money and resources it was i can't argue with any of that and i don't say that as someone who was rooting for like major sanctions and, and across all these schools lsu and arizona and kansas and nc state and and even beyond um had that happened Sure. You know, if, if they decided that, fine. But in reporting out each of these cases and following this thing for six plus years on that fateful, allegedly, September day of 2017, when all of this began finally on Wednesday, October 11th, it's done. Um, it's been it's just taken way too long. I'm, I'm happy this is all finally behind us. It's absurd that it took until the middle of October in 2023 to finish this but with what kansas got or didn't get i'm not that surprised i know you're going to reference the column that you wrote almost a year ago after the louisville stuff came out because when you look back at every school that went through the iarp process memphis nc state arizona lsu louisville kansas none of them received significantly harsh punishments and this was one of the many things that will be a negative association connotation with the uh, let's just say uh, less than glorified tenure of Mark Emmert because it was him who decided to start a, a commission appointed not Condoleezza Rice. That commission determined that there should be a separate adjudication process. It birthed the IARP. Um, while plenty of these people, I'm sure, are good people with incredible credentials on their resumes, they, uh, in my opinion, having sat on some of these press conferences and, and dealt with all this stuff and reading even some of their some of their interpretations of the Kansas stuff uh, in their in their file today, um, they were just they were very forgiving and liberal in uh, in their interpretations of what is or isn't or wasn't allowable under NCAA rules. So Kansas now uh, it's going to hold a press conference, by the way, in, in a little bit. But I got to be on HQ soon, so we had to get this podcast rolling here. And uh, Bill Self loses fifteen games. Kansas loses the twenty eighteen Final Four. Paris, what are your thoughts? What's your reaction as to what came down on Wednesday? Well, first, you're a lot nicer than I am by saying they were forgiving with their interpretations. I would argue they're idiotic with their interpretations. I mean, it's just stupid. You you can't. Uh, the idea that Adidas wasn't working on behalf of Kansas or previously Louisville um, to to secure players to to help those places have better basketball teams. It's simple as that is just. Absolutely ridiculous. I made the uh, the point in the column from last November about Louisville. Like the panel quite literally said then that they did not believe Adidas was trying to help Louisville's basketball program as much as um, Adidas was trying to promote Adidas by getting Brian Bowen's father $100,000. I don't have the list in front of me, but like – Adidas has some of the biggest NBA stars, international soccer stars, baseball stars, you name it. They did not need Brian Bowen to promote their product. That's absurd. What they did need is Louisville to be better at basketball. 
And that is why they went to get Brian Bowen. Same thing here. So when the panel interprets that as anything other than what it was, it's just, again, idiotic. That said, um, it became clear after the Louisville case and how most of these other cases were handled um, that the panel had no interest in punishing student athletes Mm -hmm. who, quote, had nothing to do with the violations. They said it um, after the Louisville case was resolved. Everyone. And and, yeah. And that is why it became pretty clear that Kansas would not be banned from an NCAA tournament. Once you establish a baseline of we don't want to punish student athletes who had nothing to do with the violations, you have you have removed postseason ban from from the list of possibilities, because follow me here. It is actually impossible to give a school a postseason ban without punishing a student athlete. Who had nothing to do with it? You can't do it, so can't, it's off the table. Can't be done. And 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 I don't want to say nothing else matters, but nothing else matters much. Um, yeah, I guess it stinks to have to pull down a Final Four banner, but schools have done it before. And um, you know, I, I I saw somebody tweet, "Well, now Kansas doesn't have the longest active NCAA tournament streak anymore." I'll just I'll I will forever push back on that. I don't care whether I'm on this podcast writing about it on television. I will always say this: Kansas has played in 33 straight NCAA tournaments. Nobody's played in more consecutive. I will forever that will never not be true. Just because they had to vacate it doesn't mean that they didn't play in it. They played in it. Although I did see some Kansas fans, and I'm sure you got this reaction as well, uh, saying, "Hey, vacate that Villanova game. Fine with me." That was awful. I've been trying to vacate that from my memory for uh, for a while now. So Kansas yeah. has still played in 33 straight NCAA tournaments. That will forever, forever be true. That is the way I will interpret it. If you ask me at any point in a trivia time over the next few years um, who has played in the most consecutive NCAA tournaments, I will say it is the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, I can talk about this a lot of different ways. Because right now there are there literally people in my mentions right now who will say, "Oh, you're happy Kansas got off," or "You're mad Kansas got off." Both I got both like within the past ten minutes I've gotten both both tweets basically. You're oh you're mad or you're happy. The truth is I'm indifferent. It it it, it I don't care. I genuinely don't care. But I will say everything I'm about to say is true. I think it's crazy that you can blatantly break rules. Um, get caught and then not be punished significantly for it, right? So in a vacuum, I think that's kind of nutty. On the other hand, I don't think Adidas was helping Kansas and Louisville in any way differently than the Nike was helping Nike schools and Under Armour were helping Under Armour schools. The only difference here is that the Adidas stuff got talked about on a wiretap and the Nike stuff largely didn't, and the Under Armour stuff largely didn't. So if Kansas fans want to say, hey, what were we doing that some Nike school wasn't doing or Under Armour school wasn't doing, I hear that as well. I Class I, and innocent guy response, by the way. I, yeah, yeah, well, it's it, But then I would counter that by saying, hey, if you get a speeding ticket tonight on your way home, um, you're not going to be the only person who was speeding. But hey, these other guys were speeding is not going to be a very good defense. You catch who you catch. Kansas got caught. Louisville got caught. Um, on the other hand, just to keep going, flip flopping back and forth, 
the things that Kansas has actually got caught doing is things that Kansas is, is doing, I would hope, doing today. Like it is, it is hilarious to me that once upon a time, the big sin was that Kansas was working with Adidas to get players. And, and like literally today, if Kansas isn't working with Adidas to get players, something's wrong. Like that, that, because, because Duke and Kentucky need to be working with Nike to get players and Under Armour schools need to be working with Under Armour to get players. So do you really want to punish somebody significantly for something that's not even, you know, for lack of a better term, illegal anymore? Like that would feel like, uh, you know, throwing somebody in jail for 20 years because they got caught with a joint, you know, this morning. Like that. What? We still doing that? Um, I I know. I know that it was illegal once upon a time, but like we still doing that. So I'm not happy. I'm not mad. I'm not any of I have no emotion connected to it. I just think the whole thing is and I think everybody can agree with this. A big waste of time, big waste of money energy and time the idea that you could spend six years trying to resolve this and this is the resolution is just kind of comical just so much wasted time congrats to all the lawyers who got all the more wealthy for being involved in this in whatever capacity that they were involved in this and yes kansas which if you'll recall pretty forcefully fought back on the notice of allegations they eventually decided to go the iarp route not the ncaa route committee on infractions as an aside, oh, by the way, not if you want to pull it up, Oklahoma State has actually sent out a statement. Their coach sent out a statement, too, because Oklahoma State, while some other schools self-imposed some significant penalties, Arizona, Louisville, you know, postseason bans and all that stuff. And Patino lost his job and Sean Miller eventually got fired from Arizona. This is Oklahoma State. We agree, as we stated at the time, that the NCAA should be intentional in prescribing penalties that do not negatively impact student athletes, including bans from postseason play for violations that occurred Years prior, it's good to see the NCAA make decisions with this intent, even if it was too late to help us. Unfortunately, I must fact check the person that sent that from Oklahoma State. Again, this was not an NCAA decision. It was an independent body, the IRP, as part of the IARP process. Um, But Kansas fought against that. And because it fought diligently against it and was able to make its case slowly but surely, ultimately, the panel was not able to prove to whatever standard it has. And I, frankly, it must be a, a fairly high standard because there are certain parts of the decision and it's a, it's a, it's a big document. So we're, I'm not going to, we don't have the time to quote from it, but there are a couple of instances there where you have to, <laughs> I mean, really strain your own credulity to think that what's being referenced there. Like they basically allude to communications and conversations between, <coughs> excuse me, self and or Townsend talking with, TJ Gasnola, the former Adidas bag man, uh, where he's saying, I got to help you, you know, we need your help getting players and all this stuff came out in court years ago. Um, And they basically said, well, our interpretation of this wasn't explicitly that it would mean help would mean paying players to help them land at Kansas. And not to say that it happens in every single instance, but come on, what are we doing here? So um, Kansas got by as best as it could. It sat sell for four games, took them off the road. And uh, oh, by the way, three years probation. So there's that, there's that, which I guess is nice. And can- I don't even know what that means. I mean, I do know what it means. Yeah, but well, like- I mean, theoretically, if you uh, if you do a no, no, while on probation, which, oh, by the way, Louisville did. In the yeah, midst- it doesn't matter. Like you could put me on three years probation right now. You ready for this? I don't I think care. you already are. Actually, I don't care. I think like, it does, like I ooh, hey, listen, probation. I just put you on probation. Fine. You're on Watch. probation. Three years right now. I- what you ready? I will not change one uh, aspect of my conduct. Okay. I'm not afraid of probation. Okay, you're on probation. You're I'm not afraid of it though. Not afraid of probation. You're on probation. Um, so 
what more else is there to say other than the fact that this took six years? I'm not just talking Kansas. I'm talking everything. This FBI, at the beginning of this, man, there are some in the media saying this would be just, it would lead to so many jobs lost, so many epic punishments just didn't happen. And some of that, I think, is justified that it didn't happen. Some of it is obviously inconsistent adjudication from multiple different bodies. And the 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 environment that we were in in September of 2017 versus where we are in college athletics in 2023, completely different universes, not even remotely the same. In fact, I had it in my newser today. You can easily make an argument that had name, image, and likeness rights and legislation been in existence in the summer of 2017, like the FBI's investigation never gets even gets off the ground. We never even go through this to begin with. So in a weird way, I actually think that, and I don't know if anyone's written this or said this, I'm sure it's been out there. I think that this case, this saga, this debacle actually helped accelerate to get us to where we are with NIL. I actually think it did play a part in that. So maybe in some way, GP, um, it helped get to a better place overall, but it doesn't change the fact that in retrospect, all this stuff looks even more ridiculous. And the fact that, you know, you had four assistant coaches who were arrested, four black coaches, none of whom have been let back into the sport since. And 10 men charged. The government was able to prove that Kansas and all these schools were victims, victims in the case. When they knew damn well what was going on, it's an absolute joke. And for everyone that's raking the NCAA for having the IARP come into existence, that's raking the IARP for even being a thing and being completely inept and slow to the times and behind, it's all it's all deserved. Uh, you know, if you're a Kansas fan, you breathe a sigh of relief. You probably expected this, but now that it's official, you can look forward to the season. Um, and oh, by the way, um, there's you know a whole other thing with Arterio Morris and. Kansas City Star reporting the details of his alleged rape that came out today. So not exactly the best day for Kansas overall. Um, credit to the Kansas City Star for uh, for its reporting there as well. Uh, detailing, again, allegations, but pretty heinous details and allegations there and against former player Arterio Morris, who, of course, has been since kicked off the program. But none, nonetheless, um, extremely disturbing stuff. So uh, if you're a KU fan, if you work at KU, I wouldn't be crowing too much because there's still plenty of uh, there's still plenty of bad stuff to go along with the good. I'll just uh, say one last thing and then we'll move on. Um, You mentioned how there were media members and people like, oh, this is going to be bad. And I I do think it's important to understand the context of when any opinion was shared, because here's the truth, because I had both these things like popping up over the past 24 hours. I have written columns. I've written columns that say the following. One column was written like in 2000. I don't know. Right. When Oklahoma State got punished. And the whole premise of the column is basically, buddy, if Oklahoma State just got a postseason ban for that, I mean, it's over for Kansas and Louisville and LSU. Mm. And I mean, if that's what Oklahoma State just got a postseason ban for, I wouldn't want to be Kansas or Louisville or LSU going forward. Right. Arizona. Right. All right. I went back and read the column. It's it logically holds up in that moment. Right. It, it, it made sense. Then, if you're just saying. If Oklahoma State did this and got this, then I wouldn't want to be Kansas, Louisville, LSU. That column looked perfectly fine in the moment that it was written. But then things changed. We started getting the Louisville case and the other cases, and it was like nothing's happened. And they made it clear, the panel, we do not want to punish student athletes who have nothing to do with it. So I wrote a column that said, I wouldn't want to be Kansas. But then, you know, two years later, I wrote another column that said, Kansas has nothing to worry about. Because they've now have a, a they've, they've set a track record this panel, and the IARP of 
They're just not going to do postseason bans. And anything short of a postseason ban is is fine. You'll take it if you're Kansas, I think. And so when you start at a place of the FBI is saying, we've got your playbook and we're coming for you, I think it's totally normal to go, ooh, buddy, this is going to get bad. Yeah. But it just nothing, nothing of significance happened after that day. Some people nobody ever heard of or very few people ever heard of, like got in legal trouble. Um, and, and some people lost their jobs. Like, I don't want to be, uh, uh, I don't want to discount that, but the idea that they were going to shake up the entire sport that didn't happen. And it was reasonable once Oklahoma state got its postseason band to say, Oh buddy, man, I wouldn't want to be Kansas. But once it became clear, they're just not going to do postseason bands. It became obvious that Kansas would not be punished in, in, in what its fans, uh, worst fears must've imagined. So here we are. I, I think Dan Wetzel. Our buddy from Yahoo Sports summarized things perfectly with a tweet. He said the NCAA enforcement came after Bill Self. They came for him. And he responded by winning a national title and securing a lifetime contract. (laughs) Has anybody ever bounced back from major allegations against them the way Bill Self did? Not only did he not lose his job, he got a lifetime contract and won a national championship and has the number one team in the country heading into next season. That's all correct. And I honestly can't remember if I said it earlier on the show or not, but I can't remember a coach facing more heavy charges against him in his program and getting out more on skate than self just did. And to your point about what you wrote, Kansas and all these other schools, they knew that if they took the IARP route, there was no appeal, but they basically about, and I'm going to simplify this, but they basically said, and this is before Oklahoma state got its, its judgment. We know how this goes with the Committee on Infractions and the NCAA Enforcement Group. We know how this goes. Our chances of winning are very, very narrow, but we have a new avenue here. And if we can go and talk to these people that don't live in our world That's right. and aren't as familiar with our world, that might see things differently through a different prism, even if we can't appeal if we lose, don't we think we have a better chance to drag this out, to make our case, because they're going to see it. They're just not, they're not there every single day, every single week, every single month. All of those schools and the representatives, their attorneys, they took that chance. And in the big scope of it, it wound up paying off because none of those schools faced significant sanctions whatsoever. And now it can be wrapped up and uh, go in the dustbin of history as one of the all-time misfires and misplays by the NCAA and former president Mark. And that was the biggest part of it. You touched on it, getting your case in front of people who don't live in this world. Cause you might be able to convince people who don't understand the world of college basketball, that Adidas was really only trying to help Adidas and wasn't helping Kansas and Louisville. You could not convince anybody who understands the sport of college basketball, that that's what was happening. It's just nonsense. I mean, listen, if Kansas, uh, sorry, sorry, real quick. If Kansas, took this to the committee on infractions. If Louisville took it to the committee on, infra- I think we're, t- we're podcasting about different things, man. I think it's way, I think it's way more likely that they potentially get a postseason banner. There's a 15 game, 20 game, 25 game suspension for head coaches and, and on the like, but because they didn't, this is the route they go down. The only person, the only people who could believe Adidas was only helping Adidas, not Louisville and Kansas is somebody who doesn't know anything, who doesn't understand this. And fortunately for Louisville and Kansas, that is who was ruling on their cases, people who don't understand the sport of college basketball. And as they try to explain this, either in the release or on a conference call, they sound more ridiculous every single time. Let's move on. Gonzaga and the Big 12 are talking again. What's the latest? We'll discuss that next. But first, a word from our partners. Gonzaga and the Big 12 mm. are talking again. Deadleg, what's the latest? Get us updated. 
How much can I squeeze into as few words as possible here? Okay. Um, I didn't even prep notes on this because I know we were talking about it, but Kansas has taken up my entire afternoon. All right. Um, the four corner, corner schools get voted in to join the Big 12. That happens like six weeks ago or so. Was told about a couple weeks after that, after Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, had publicly said, we're done for now. Like, this is good. And here's why. We got 16. Um, for whatever reason, he starts getting it into his head again that, uh, no, I got I to gotta have Gonzaga. I got to go after Gonzaga. Now, whether or not that was, I don't have this. I'm not even speculating. I'm, I'm saying whether that was Mark Few going back to him or someone that Gonzaga going back to him and saying, hey, maybe, maybe, or if it was just entirely Yormark. And speaking with a number of sources on Monday and Tuesday, it appears as though this is entirely driven uh, by Brett Yormark, who approached athletic directors last week at the Big 12 meetings. He, he did not blindside them. In fact, um, I was told he's got some athletic directors in that conference who he is closer with than others, and that's not to be pejorative. It's just, you know, there are a few people in that league that he just tends to bounce more ideas off of than others. Um, so we let them know, made a few couple calls to some athletic directors in advance of that. So they had an idea something was coming. He made a pitch. Here's why we should have Gonzaga. And I was told that your Mark wanted to almost like get this in there and then kind of do a quick little chat and then say, Hey, can I just bring this up to the president? It's not even necessarily for a vote yet, but let me give like the full fledged pitch again to the presidents so that they can really sink their teeth into this. And we can try and see if we can figure out something in the short term. The athletic directors were very skeptical. Most of them and said, ah, no shot. They looked at a few different things. I was told on the pitch that your Mark was making, including a couple of different financial things and said, we got questions about a B two C D F and Y. So because of all that, they said, listen, you can, can go and continue doing this, but there's a lot of reasons why we're not going to permit you to take this to the president's in a formal capacity. That's not going to happen right now. And they still don't have a lot of financial things buttoned up yet at the Big 12 level as it pertains to the four corner schools from the Pac-12 coming in now. Um, I'm not going to get too crazy inside baseball here, but when those four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, all came aboard, there were deals that were made with ESPN and Fox Sports and, and contracts got signed. But in terms of the actual like nuance of the finances, that's still not all yet done. And the difference between what it could be or what it is is still in the difference of a couple million dollars. And rightfully so, athletic directors and presidents need more answers to that. On top of that, there's still questions that exist about, would we want to even go to 17? What does that mean for our scheduling? Um, other school, I, I've been told that there are definitely schools that are anti the move right now. Um, there's no real urgency in the eyes of plenty of presidents and ADs to do this right now, because the thought is Gonzaga wouldn't be likely to try and move to the mountain West. So why don't we try this again in a few years? Brett Yormark wants to try and get the biggest single media deal for his football and basketball, uh, you know, entities that's, that's ever been done. I guess it's different from what the big 10 is right now. He wants to go to market at the end of the decade and say, here's our football product. Here's our basketball product. And he thinks if you add one more really, really good school in Gonzaga, it's going to make it all the more likely that they can get that much more money. And if he can get Gonzaga on board via a vote here this fall, or maybe early next year, then he might be able to get him at a better deal. However, I'm trying to get this all as much as I can. There's so much here. There are only right now 12 voting members in the Big 12 for future endeavors. Texas and Oklahoma, GP, they cannot vote. You need a 75% threshold. Multiple sources said if you, it's not close to a vote right now, but if you did a vote, there's no chance that nine of the 12 in the Big 12 right now are voting to add Gonzaga. 
most people want them to wait until the four other four join. They can't officially vote on this until July 1 of next year. And not all those schools are on board. In fact, I was told specifically one of those schools is very anti-Gonzaga joining at this point. So, yes, it could happen. Your mark wants it to happen. Had another source reach out to me on Tuesday and say, here's another person I spoke with that's that's pretty high up, that's optimistic this is going to happen eventually. But a lot of people just sound like, why can't we just get these other four in the conference, evaluate then, see what our finances are at, and just see if we want to get Gonzaga in, let's talk about this in 26, 27, or 28. There's no reason why we should be doing this right now. Last thing for me on the Gonzaga end, I'm not even convinced Gonzaga's all the way in on this yet because the finances, how much it would be paid to come in on this, I'm not convinced it would be getting more initially to join the Big 12 versus the deal that it has right now with the WCC, which is you know incentive-laden on NCAA tournament performance. So I actually think there might even be a little bit of hesitation on Gonzaga's side at this moment. Mark Few's got a pretty good sweetheart deal in terms of running a kick-ass program, being highly ranked in the polls and getting really good seeds. So some of the framing earlier this week was accurate in that these conversations have been renewed. Um, there was some chatter about maybe this could happen soon. I'll, I guess never say never perish. I would be stunned if this thing comes to any kind of vote before we get out of October, let alone the year 2023. I think there are too many people with too many significant questions to think that this is going to be advancing. But your Mark loves hoops and he wants to get Gonzaga. We'll see if that ultimately proves fruitful or not. I'm a bit dubious at this moment. Yeah, I'll be quick on this. Um, I, I could make I think an argument for why Gonzaga should do this and why Gonzaga shouldn't, why the big 12 should do this and why the big 12 shouldn't. I don't think it's crystal clear. Um, It's a, it's a complex issue. I will say I've seen some people sort of make the point and I've made this point before, like, Hey, leave well enough alone. You have, you've got a really nice setup right now. Your league caters to you. You're the king of it. You're in the NCAA tournament literally every year. You've been to two final fours. You've played in a national title game. Why do you want to mess with that? Because there's no guarantee being in a better league actually makes you a better program. And I think I think that's absolutely something that needs to be considered. On the other hand, the idea that you will stay what you are forever, so don't mess with it, is is obviously flawed logic. Think about this. Once upon a time, UNLV was the biggest thing in the sport of basketball. Biggest thing in the sport. What if back in the late 80s, early 90s, UNLV was so big that the commissioner of the Pac-12 thought was was Brett Yormark. And he came to you and he said, hey, I want you in my league because I prioritize basketball. Come on over here. You're the biggest thing in the sport outside of the Power Five uh, conferences. Come with me. And they said, yeah, we got a pretty good thing right now going. We don't want to mess with it. Looking back, would that have been a mistake? Of course, right? Of mm-hmm. course it would have, right? Because UNLV is not what it once was. UNLV, I say this respectfully, doesn't really matter that much anymore. Hopefully it gets back to that. But UNLV is not what it once was, which is uh, reason enough to understand that Gonzaga might not always – you could look up you know, 20 years from now and Gonzaga is just a whatever program in the WCC. So yes. I, 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 it's a very complicated situation. But the idea that they'd be stupid to do this, I don't necessarily agree with that. Or or um, they'd be stupid not to do it. I don't know. I could understand that, too. Uh, either way, it doesn't look like anything is imminent. And so we'll have an opportunity to to talk about this another time. Real quick, A.J. DeBonsa, another de- notable development from today. He's now the number one prospect in the class of 2025. We'll talk about that next quickly. But first, word from our partners. 
Orlando A.J. Devontae is now the number one prospect in the class of 2025. You might remember he was initially in 2026, but he's old for his grade. I discovered him at Peach Jam back in July. We knew this was coming, right? Yeah, this isn't a big surprise. It, it means that him and uh, Cameron Boozer are now, uh, I guess, theoretically battling for number one. Not even theoretically like they are, but according to 247 Sports and our fine crew over there, they have uh, easily made the decision to keep him number one regardless of shift of class. He's five months older than Boozer, I think. So this was long awaited. He made his uh, official announcement uh, with us on HQ. So we appreciate AJ for that. And if you're unfamiliar with them uh, and you feel like, you know, uh, scratching niche of curiosity, we did talk about him over the summer. Uh, fantastic player. Uh, someone who at his age, you can just already see why he has the tools and has the physicality and he has the body and he's still growing. He's still getting better of just someone who, if it all continues on the space, like he's going to be a very, very good professional player. That being said, plenty of work to do and you got to stick at it and stick with it. He's playing out in California at prolific prep, but, um, it means we get him in college one year earlier, and that's also a, a plenty good thing there because you know the uh, there still is the age minimum rule that is in place for the NBA and the MBPA. So where he goes uh, to be determined. There are a few fan bases that are still quite eager that he'll eventually go there. Um, but we're in a, a good moment right now in terms of highly ranked prospects uh, that are highly visible on their way to play college, and the sport will be better for that. Uh, Debonsa has said, and I'm believe he told you as well he reiterated that uh, he absolutely intends on playing college and not taking an alternative route so we should see him uh, not too far down the road but there's a 25 graduation so we still got a couple of years but he's moving on uh, to a new class and he is number one and let me know what you got on this chief in july he did tell me that um, he was considering reclassifying that he thought about it i took that as an indication that he would and um he he uh, didn't deny that he had thought about alternative options to college, but did say, I promised my mom I'll spend at least one year in college. That is what I'm planning to do. I'll take him at his word. Plans can change, but we'll see. At this point, I would expect him to play one year in college and then B, anything can happen. But as of this moment, you know, if somebody were to ask me to put together a 2026 NBA mock draft. Let's hear that, actually. Let's go top 10 right now. Who you got? AJ at one. Yep. Let's get more into like seven, eight, nine. I know Cameron that's right Boozer at two, yeah. and then I'm gonna let Kyle Boone take it from here. Kyle Boone got it. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Debonsa one, Boozer two, and then and then the strong jaw can take it from there. <laughs> I know you got to get in. You got to get a coat on. I got to go hop on HQ talk a little bit more about Kansas. So I am gonna do that. A couple things. Uh, as we get out of here. One, I don't think we mentioned Kentucky now is ahead of Kansas by seven wins in an official capacity. So that's another thing Kentucky fans are thrilled about this Kansas stuff because now they're on top. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, we got Pac-12 preview on Thursday coming for you. ACC on Friday. More pods coming your way. Woohoo! Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So do that, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.